0: Well, it's uh, good to be with you again tonight. Uh, Always a pleasure to worship here, and uh, I'm grateful to be able to uh, share the word with you tonight. You know, there are numerous times in scripture when you find what I call, how can this be moments. They may not use those words, but you just know that that's the kind of thing they are thinking. Uh, One such moment is with a old she's barren she's past the age of childbearing and he's a hundred years old How can this be? The beauty of it is God's reply His reply was is anything too hard for the Lord? Another one that we're familiar with uh, is Mary uh, that young girl, when Gabriel appears to her and lets her know that she is going to have a son and he's going to be the son of God, her reply is, How can this be? I'm a virgin. And we know that the Lord took care of that. Episodes was when Nicodemus meets with Jesus. Really? Very touching. In John chapter three, we're going to read it in a minute. If you want to turn this fasting, doing the things that a good moral Jew would do, so be born again. How can this be? Jesus comprehends Nicodemus's predicament. In the world today who have their questions. How can I be forgiven? How can I experience life that lifts me out of the only existence I've known? Can things really change? The answers are in John chapter 3. Let's read it together, beginning with verse 1, the first 15 verses. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb and be born. Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, No one can enter the kingdom of heaven unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. So you should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. "'How can this be?' Nicodemus asked. "'You are Israel's teacher,' Jesus said, "'and you do not understand these things. "'Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know "'and we testify to what we have seen, "'but still you people do not accept our testimony. "'I have spoken to you of earthly things,' and you do not believe, how then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven to the earth in order to be lifted up. The lifting of the Son of Man is related to why God sent him to the world. He sent him to be lifted up. And it says, He said this to show them the kind of death He was going to die. Jesus was lifted up in order to deal with sin. You know, there are several passages that help us understand Jesus on the cross and really what was going on there. In Hebrews 9.22, we're told that Without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness. It takes blood for there to be able to have forgiveness provided to human beings. But we're also told in Hebrews 10:4 that animal blood, the blood of bulls and goats, cannot address the sin problem. They cannot take away sin. You know, animals... I may, we've had some dogs in our animal, cannot substitute for the poor moral decisions that human beings make for our sin. Those sacrifices of animals kept God's people in what I describe as a holding pattern until Jesus came. And when he came, Paul describes it this way in Ephesians 1, 7, that in him we find redemption through his blood. Even Jesus himself in Matthew 26, 28, at the Last Supper, as he held that cup, he said, this is the blood of the covenant poured out for the forgiveness of sins. That really is a truth that it's beyond our capacity to fully understand. In Jesus' death, his deepest humiliation was dealing with our greatest problem, and that was sin. Jesus uses the example with Nicodemus of uh, the bronze serpent in Numbers 21 in the wilderness when the people had complained again and really accused Moses and God about their motives for bringing them into the desert. God sent snakes to bite them. And he had Moses craft a bronze serpent to hold up and anyone who in faith would look to that for healing would find themselves healed from their bite. Jesus died on a cross to deal with the stinging bite of sin, which ultimately is death, physical and spiritual. His death, burial, and resurrection dealt with our sin and gave us the power to experience new birth. And all of this is because Jesus was lifted up. We're familiar with the verse that follows that conversation with Nicodemus, John 3, 16. We may know it by different translations, and that's okay, but let me ask you to say that with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That's the purpose for Jesus' coming. Think about Nicodemus. He was a devoted Jew, a Pharisee, a member of the Sanhedrin. He hoped for the coming of God's kingdom, and I imagine that that was a part of what drove him to meet with Jesus. And he was anxious for the Messiah to come. I I would imagine that like any religious Jew, he probably prayed for the Messiah every day of his life for him to come. And again, that might have been a part of what drove him to want to have a conversation personally with this teacher that he probably has seen and heard. As Jesus talks with him, Jesus says that the kingdom is not Israel's exclusive destiny. That verse that we quoted God loves the world without limit. And that's why he gave his son. God loves Nicodemus and us, but not us only. God loves my family, but not exclusively. God loves our nation, but he equally loves all nations, loves all people around the world, regardless of their ethnicity or their background or whatever their circumstances. He loves so deeply that he gave his Son for the world. And it is only his love that is able to beget new life in the Spirit. If you want to, turn over to Psalm 103. There's a passage there that certainly gives us additional reflection on the love and compassion and mercy of God. Let's begin reading with verse eight, and we'll read through verse 14. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed He remembers that we are dust. If he counted transgressions, nobody could stand. Not the elders, not the preacher. No one could stand. If he really took note and dealt with us according to our sins, there would be no hope. It's interesting that the psalmist in verse 12 uses infinite distance to, de- to describe or convey infinite love. As far as the... Oh, I'm not oriented. Let's see. North is that way? That way, okay. As far as the east is from the west... That's how far he has removed our sins away from us. You can't measure that because you just keep going as far as the east is from the west. His capacity to love and to deal with the realities of our wrongdoing, our offenses, our sin are great. And he removes them completely from us. Just a couple of examples that shows how Jesus dealt with sinners. You remember the woman who was caught in the very act of adultery? We won't have a discussion about the man at this point, but just the woman. When everyone was ready to condemn her and to stone her, and Jesus acted and wrote on the ground and let, said, Let he who is without sin throw the first stone. Only one person in that crowd could have done that, was without sin. When they had all left, he said to the woman, Where are those who condemn you? And they aren't there. And he says, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. A little despicable man had climbed a tree in order to see Jesus. We know that story. Zacchaeus. And Jesus deliberately intrudes into his life. The life of a sinner, an outcast in Jewish society. And he says, today salvation has come to your house. This is how Jesus treats sinners. Now, even. Now is a time of grace. Now is a time for the possibilities of new birth. Talked with me and sharing about Charles's nephew. I, I did get his permission to share this, so don't be squirming, wondering, oh, do they know about that? Um, they shared with me about Charles's wonder can anything ever change for him? And the family prayed and prayed and prayed for him. He came to his senses, I guess we could say, and is now right with the Lord,' is concerned with. He's not just concerned with washing away your sin, but he wants your life to experience wholeness again. Living in Christ heals the brokenness of our lives and lets us find a meaningful, purposeful life in return. Wore no clothes, hair all matted, had no family. The only way he got along was to steal food from people and eke out an existence. My coworker went there to preach and to to the Lord. His life turned around. He became a great believer. He became a great proclaimer of good news in Jesus Christ. He became a man who ultimately did ministry in Nairobi in one of the churches. Got married and had children who were active in the church. And his life when Jesus found him was so far away from his community and from God and the Lord. That can happen because Jesus was lifted high and sin could be dealt with. How is it possible? The answer to those kinds of questions is the throbbing heart of the gospel. Because Christ came and took your place, my place on the cross, was lifted up for you and for me. Nicodemus was a religious man. And that religious man needed this message. You are, I would suppose, religious people. Perhaps you need that message today. It's not sufficient to be a religious person. That is so far from what God wants for you. Being a religious person isn't enough. Being religious doesn't really deal with the sin issue in my life. What a person needs is new. I appreciate that here at Oldham Lane, so frequently at the end of a lesson, there's always a mention of baptism. That's not insignificant. In the waters of baptism, we are joined to Christ's atoning death through faith. That we, it's just nearly second nature to us. And we might forget, how is it that I get to experience this? Think for a moment, what would your life be like if every influence of Jesus and Christianity were removed from your life. That's a fearful thought. Because I know every one of us would find ourselves where we would never have imagined that we would be if it weren't for Jesus Christ and his involvement in our lives, not just in the initial through the power of God's love. If you're a Christian, let that love animate you. Let that reality of what it was, Jesus who died and gave his life for you and brought you into his kingdom, be a part of what really gives meaning and purpose to your life. Be thankful for it every day. If you not let yourself be joined with the Lord in baptism, you could begin a new life tonight. Is it possible? As Nicodemus asked, how can this be? As God told Abraham, is anything too hard for the Lord? Nothing is too hard for the Lord. You can't be so far off away from him that his love and grace can't draw you to him through Jesus Christ. Because of Jesus, it can happen. And because of Jesus, we live in that new reality of new birth, new life every day if we're his. If we can help you, We're going to sing a song and we invite you to come and uh, there will be elders who would want to pray with you or help you if you want to give your life in obedience to Jesus Christ or need prayers for strength and guidance. We invite you to come while we stand and sing the song together.